Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 31 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I'm your host, Luke Halgerson. You know how we do it, five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right into it. Topic number one, NBA Finals Game 2 tonight, October 2nd, 2020, Los Angeles Lakers, Miami Heat, that lake show. Anthony Davis was dominant in Game 1. LeBron James was dominant as well. They looked like an unstoppable duo that we've seen throughout the league before. You know, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal dominated like this. Magic and Kareem dominated like this. Dr. J, Moses Malone, Bird, Kevin McHale, or whoever you want to put in there. You know, teams have thrived off this kind of tandem, and that's what it really is. Lakers just have too much. The size advantage for the Lakers is too great. Look at who has to guard Anthony Davis. They tried putting Jay Crowder on him to start the game. That was a mistake. Oh, but then you have to have Bam Anabayo go on the block against Dwight Howard. That's a tough matchup. And then who's going to guard LeBron? Jimmy Butler? Even in the zone, it is not going to work. You cannot contain those two specifically, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. They are going to be too much to overcome for this Heat team. It's why I know in my NBA preview, I might have been one of the only people who was actually concerned about this Heat team. Everyone tried to tell me Lakers are going to dominate. Lakers are going to look like they're in control the entire time. Lakers might sweep. Lakers in five. I just, I wanted to give the Heat more credit. They played well in the bubble. They thrived in the bubble. Talked about it extensively. They looked fantastic throughout the postseason, but now going up against this Lakers team, they just looked overmatched. They didn't look that way against Boston. They didn't look that way against the one seed Milwaukee. But against this Lakers team, they do not look like they have the bodies to compete against the Lakers led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's too much to handle. Game two, I'm going to pick the Lakers. Because they they look too good. And injuries are going to factor into this. Gordon Drogic now has a foot injury. He is doubtful for tonight's game. Bam Adebayo, sprained shoulder. He's doubtful for tonight's game. Jimmy Butler tweaked his ankle twice. It'll be interesting to see if he plays. But, you know, biggest games of the year, I imagine he's a dog. He's going to be out there. He'll be playing. But injuries are of huge concern. If you're missing your leading scorer throughout the postseason in Goran Goran Dragic, it's going to change things. Now you have to reinstall Nunn back in. I know Nunn finished second in the Rookie of the Year voting. He's a great player. But that's asking him to do a lot after not getting a lot of time to come back out there and have to be able to play at a high level. Puts a lot of pressure on the rookie. But they're already doing that with Tyler Hero. So what's one more rookie to add to uh, this finals? And then... Bam Adebayo, he was the difference maker in the Celtics series. Uh, He's the reason they won. He was unstoppable. He averaged 23 points in that series. Double-doubles had the crucial block on Tatum in game one. And if he's out, now what are you going to do? Your interior then goes to Kelly Olenek, Miles Leonard. I know Spolster is going to mix things up. I imagine Derek Jones Jr. is going to get more run. Like I said, Kendrick Nunn's definitely going to get more run with Drogic being out. The Heat have a lot of question marks and not a lot of answers to those questions. Not compared to what the Lakers have. 
not compared to what the Lakers have to counter with. Because LeBron, no one looked like they were even going to remotely stop him. I don't think the Lakers will shoot the same. They shot lights out in game one. Danny Green was knocking him down. KCP was knocking him down. Caruso was hitting shots. But I still expect some guys to contribute here and there, you know? Danny Green has shown that he can be a difference maker in a final series. KCP has played great in asking him to guard rookies and younger guys like Duncan Robinson. It's a perfect thing for him to thrive. Tyler Hero, KCP had a huge block on Tyler Hero in game one. And that's the thing, the Heat need a lot of guys with no experience to step up, while the Lakers just need a couple role players to do their job. That's the difference right now. And it's... I got the Lakers, and at this point, I want to change my pick from six games to, honestly, a gentleman's sweep or a sweep. I really don't know how the Heat are going to counteract what LeBron James and Anthony Davis do on the offensive side of the ball, and then where are the answers for them offensively as well for the Heat? Where are you getting your production now when you're losing two of your three highest scores? Drogic out, bam most likely out for tonight's game to be down in a 2-0 hole hole Uh uh-oh that's a problem right there teams have come back for sure we've seen some crazy things in this bubble but I think the Lakers are too much Uh, I really think the Heat are gonna win a game they're gonna get hot they're gonna catch catch fire at some point with all these three shooters but the Lakers did a great job defending them Duncan Robinson only got up three shots Tyler Hero wasn't very good after the first quarter, it, tough sledding and a tough uphill battle for this Miami Heat team. I don't think they'll have enough, but we'll see. Maybe they can prove me wrong. Doubt it, because the best player in the world, LeBron James, is out to prove that he's still the best player in the world. Lakers proving that they are the juggernaut they've been through the whole season. So, love to see it. Let's go, Lake Show. Topic number two. MLB postseason just moving right along. The wild card series have been a lot of fun so far. Uh, I got to tell you, the first one I got to talk about is the one I'm most disappointed in so far. The Minnesota Twins lost another playoff game. And of all teams to lose to, they had to lose to the Houston Asterix. They had to lose to the team that had a losing record. They had to blow it against the team that banged on trash cans to signal what pitch was coming. This is the team that the Twins had to beat. Now they're not doing any of that cheating right now, supposedly. Of course. But, Twins, America was rooting for you. Everyone except for select few people in the city of Houston wanted the Twins to win this series. And what did the Twins do? Two runs in 18 innings. They couldn't score. They couldn't do anything offensively. It makes you reconsider why wasn't Donaldson in the wild card roster? You know, they could have used his bat. And I know, oh, the twin bombers. Where were they? They they disappeared. Besides a Nelson's Cruz double, I, I don't know where another at bat came that was actually successful for the twins. They looked terrible. And against a team that doesn't have much of a starting rotation outside of Zach Grinke, Verlander is out. Now is the time to strike. The the Twins blew it. And they've lost 18 straight postseason games. 18! Drill that into your head and think about it 
for a second on how long it's been since the Twins have won a playoff game. It's been like 1997. What are they doing? Oh, it was absolutely embarrassing. All the teams to lose to, you had to lose to the Asterix. And, oh, now the Asterix are feeling themselves. You know, they're hot. Oh, saying we deserve our respect. No, you don't. You went under 500 the regular season and you played a team that hasn't won a playoff game this century. No, you don't deserve any credit. And I really hope the other series, the other AL Central team, actually all three AL Central teams got booted yesterday. The Twins lost two days ago. The White Sox, the Oakland Athletics defeated them in the final game. It took three games. Then that was an exciting series. I thought the White Sox would pull it out, but the A's, with their no-name roster and money ball system, continue to prove me wrong. I couldn't name more than four people on that Oakland Athletics team, but they get contributions from everyone. So I'll tip my cap to the Oakland Athletics. You know, I like my surprise pick with the White Sox, maybe advancing past them, but White Sox played well. They got a young team. I expect them to be right back in this situation next year because they have a lot of young talent. Just need to improve that pitching staff and that bullpen. And again, another team that made poor managerial decisions. The game was absolutely wild to begin with. The Oakland Athletics drew like nine walks in game three against the White Sox. The White Sox were changing pitchers every inning until about the fourth or fifth inning. And then one guy got like two innings of work. You know, the analytics just drive people to be like, all right, we have one guy face three batters and then keep it moving from there and bring in a new pitcher every time. I understand in a game three situation, sounds like an okay idea, maybe. But you're just wasting your arms, especially if the arms are doing well and then you got to rely on guys who maybe aren't pitching well. You know, this White Sox set themselves up for failure, I think, by trying to pitch everyone in one game and I understand it's a playoff game you got to win it nothing's off the table you got to do what it, you got to do to win but I don't like that system of throwing out a new pitcher every inning we're letting Harvard guys and Ivy League guys who have never picked up a baseball in their life dictate how games are going to go and how the sport is now functioning it's a very odd way to do things and I'm not a fan of it it works in some capacity with launch angle and all of that and trying to hit home runs, sure, maybe. But let's get away from analytics of baseball. But I digress. White Sox, they're out of the playoffs now. Oakland Athletics moving on. So the two AL West teams that made it to the playoffs, the Oakland Athletics, Houston Asterix, they're going to play in the divisional round, and there will be blood. Oh, there will be blood in the water. These teams don't like each other. Not one bit. They already had instances just this season. Just this season already, they've already gotten into confrontations before. I expect there to be more bad blood uh, once this series finally begins. It's going to be a good one. I got to tell you, I haven't been an athletics fan before in my career, but I want them to win now. Let's go athletics. Please shut these stupid cheaters of Houston up. Please. I can't stand them. Ugh. Anyways, another team that advanced, that knocked out another AL Central team, New York Yankees. Getting hot at the right 
time. Uh, the bats are there for the Yankees. Everyone is back healthy. The real question mark for them, pitching. Once you get past their top guys, who are you going to go with? What are you going to get from Tanaka? What are you going to get from this rotation? Now, once they get into the bullpen, bullpen has been a little shaky, though. Gave up a lot of runs to the Indians in that game, too. But the bats are there. Judge is back. Stanton is back. To finish the season, they won 10 of their last 12 or 11 of their last 12. Some, some gaudy number like that. They had won 10 in a row at one point. Yankees are getting hot at the right time, which is exactly what you want from a playoff team. That's what you want, a team to get Mojo going in. Boom. Now we're off and running. So Yankees going to be dangerous. They go up against their AL East foe, Tampa Bay Rays. Another team, I couldn't name five players on the team. Maybe. If I could pull it out of a hat, maybe. We'll attempt right now. So we got Blake Schnell, Charlie Morton, son. After that, I don't know. After that, I really don't know what this team does, but they're great at doing just that. Payroll's $26 million, That's more. That's less than what Stanton makes in a season. And this team won the division. Best record in the AL. Uh, the Rays are dangerous. Very dangerous. They made quick work of the young Blue Jays. The series was never in doubt in either game. They were in full control. It only took them two games to beat the Blue Jays. They got hitters all around the lineup. I like their starting staff with Snell, Mortensen. They can do a couple different things there. You know, the bullpen's been fantastic for them. It's going to be a great fight between divisional foes in the divisional round of the playoffs in the AL. Yankees against the Rays. Athletics against the Asterix. It's going down. My picks... Obviously, Athletics, give me them. Could never pick or cheer for the Asterix in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to say they win in four. Give me the Athletics in four. And then for the Yankees-Tampa Bay series, I, I got to go with the Yankees' offense is incredible, but I think the regular season has shown what this series could be. But then again, we've seen it in the past where a team will dominate someone in the regular season and then get blown out of the water come playoff time. I think it's going to be a great series. I think it'll go all five games. I am going to pick the Tampa Bay Rays to beat the Brox Bombers. It's going to go five games. It's going to be a dogfight. Both series, both are going to be entertaining. Tune in. Postseason baseball ramping up. Let's move over to the National League. Dodgers, you know, they made quick work of the Brewers as expected. You know, they just, at this point, the Dodgers have got to be the favorites to win the World Series. They are just unstoppable offensively. You know, Betts is one of the best players in the league. Got Bellinger, Seager. I mean, just go down, up and down the lineup. It is definitely the deepest lineup in the game. They have hitters everywhere. They got hitters on their bench that aren't even everyday guys. They're truly an unstoppable force right now. It'll be very interesting to see if someone can even come close to threatening them. Made quick work of the Dodgers to, oh, the other series that are going on. You know, let's talk about the series that's going on. Cubs, Marlins, come on, Cubbies. I need you to force a game three. 
Game two was under rain delay yesterday. That's why they're playing today. Should have been game three today. Marlins jumped all over Hendricks, won game one, five to one. Cubs bats need to come alive. If there's a day to come alive, it could be the potentially last game of the season for us today. Cubs, the offense needs to turn it up right now. Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Schwarber, Hayward. I need all of you to step up and go off. It's time to go hard at the plate. You gotta hit the ball. Gotta make contact. You gotta get all over it. They got Darvish on the dish. It's a it's a good day to be a Cubs fan. This is the day they force game three. But it should be noted. Here's a stat for everyone. You might think of the Marlins as this lowly organization, and they are. Most seasons they aren't very good. But this team has never lost a playoff series. That's right, folks. Every time the Miami Marlins have made the postseason, they've won the World Series. Back in 1997, in the unforgettable series that they had against the Cubs when they beat them in seven games to then go on in the World Series and beat the New York Yankees, the infamous Bartman incident still ingrained in my memory. That's right. Marlins have never lost a postseason series. Just think about that. This lowly organization that can barely get 10,000 people into their stadium right now, who everyone had written off, had no shot at even making the 60-game sprint postseason. That's right. This lowly team has never lost a playoff series. Pretty unfathomable to even think about when it comes to the Miami Marlins, the fish, as they're called around here in the great state of Florida. You know, just ignore everything else that goes on. It's a great state. But, yeah, Marlins have never lost, so Cubs, you got to come through. Darvish has been in the Cy Young talk all year. He's been pitching fantastic. He's going to have a big game today for them. He's going to pitch a while. Just needs the ABs. Just needs guys to come through and step up in the batter's box and do what they're supposed to do. It's big time. Go time. Let's go. A game three that will take place today in the wild card series in the National League. The Cardinals against the Padres. It was a thriller yesterday. I mean, they were hitting home runs all over the place. Tatis at the center of more controversy with his bat flipping. He hit a three-run home run to bring it within one. Manny Machado right behind him tied the game at 6-6 in the fifth or sixth inning. It was absolutely incredible to see them hit the ball. And then Tatis had another one, opposite field shot, to kind of stamp the victory for the Padres, gave them the lead. Padres never gave it back. Uh, this young, the Slam Diego Padres, they are hitting the hell out of the ball. They just, some, one of these teams need pitching to step up. Cardinals had pitching, pitched well in game one. Game two, I ex- where the fireworks, game three, I expect more fireworks. And the Padres are hitting the ball all over the field. Not to say Cardinals aren't either. They've been jumping up on the Padres pitchers early and often. Paul Goldschmidt started off the game first inning. Two-run shot to give the Cardinals an early lead that they eventually lost. But teams are hitting the ball everywhere. And a pet go in a stadium that is not supposed to be a hitter's park. They're hitting the ball all over the place. And so, let's go Padres. Never want the Cardinals to succeed at anything. 
So let's go Padres. I expect them to win, but with the controversy, pretty ridiculous if you ask me. Got you know, Fernando Tatis, he was at the center of it earlier this year when he hit a grand slam against the Texas Rangers on a 3-0 count in a game that the Padres were winning by a lot. Again, these stupid, unwritten rules of baseball have got to go. They're absolutely absurd. Why Fernando Tatis should even feel any remorse? I hope he doesn't. No remorse, Tatis. Keep doing your thing. Make baseball fun. Keep showing energy. Watch your home run go over the fence. And yeah, showboat. Showboat the pitcher. Yeah, taunt them. Bat flip. I'm all for it. Bring the energy. Oh, if you don't want him to do that, throw better pitches. Don't let him hit home runs. Stop him from doing that. You can do that. You don't have to let him hit home runs, but that's what he did. Young player with a lot of energy, bringing a new attitude to the game that baseball desperately needs. I think it's great. Tati should keep showing that energy, keep going off, keep being the man. Let Padres, let's go out and win this one with that kind of energy. Bring that mojo into the divisional series and shut these Cardinals up. Because Cardinals players were mad that he was bad flipping on them. Oh no, he hit a home run and flung his bat. Funny. He spun his bat too much after his home run. Oh, he stood and watched the ball too much when he hit the home run. Shut up. Absolutely stupid. Tatis, keep doing your thing. Keep being the man. Keep balling at 23 years young, turning into the new face of the league and being the energy that Major League Baseball desperately, desperately needs. Keep doing it, San Diego. Keep doing your thing. The other series that's going on, uh, it's been a, it's been a wash. <laughs> Another one that ended quickly. The Atlanta Braves made quick work of the Cincinnati Reds. You know, the Braves had something to say to Trevor Bauer. Cuna tweeted at him, go home, and with the little McGregor strut. It's absolutely beautiful. Another guy that brings energy to the game, Trevor Bauer. You know, they didn't win game one. Went to absolutely great lengths to win it. Freddie Freeman with the walk-off in what, the bottom of the 13th inning? Came with 13 innings, 0-0. Braves won it one nothing, and then made quick work in game two five nothing. You know, Braves are dangerous, but I'm okay if the Cubs play them. Again, they had no pitching. They had a great outing from Fire uh, in game one for the Braves. I don't expect him to replicate that again. Uh, yeah, the Reds bats just went cold as expected, but the Braves—they're a good matchup for the Cubs. The Cubs can do their thing in this series. I expect them to make it happen. They can make it happen. Let's go. Like, Cubs, you need to win because the Braves are a favorable matchup to get all the way to the World Championship League Series. Like, they can make the NL Championship League Series. The Cubs can. The Braves are a favorable matchup. They have dangerous hitters, yes. I can understand that, but the pitching is not there for them. The pitching is not there. Just like the bullpen isn't there for the Cubs, they need to step up. It's, it would be a great series, too, between the Cubs and Braves. I don't... Come on, Cubbies. But the Braves, yeah, made quick work. So as the matchups go right now, the Braves will play the winner of the Marlin Cubs series, and the Padres, Cardinals, will play the Dodgers. 
So AL's already set. Yankees, Rays, Athletics, Asterix, again, and then on the NL, like I said, Dodgers would play Cardinals or Padres, and then the Cubs or Marlins would play the Braves. So postseason baseball. What a beautiful time of the year that we're talking about the NBA Finals in October, and we're talking about postseason baseball in October. Oh, absolutely beautiful. Topic number three. Folks, we're already almost, after this week of the NFL, a quarter of the way through the season, already going on to week four. And week four has already officially started. After a game that, you know, was a little more high scoring and a little more exciting than I thought it was going to be on Thursday night, Broncos against the Jets. You know, the Jets really are the worst organization right now. Like, they have... They're going to be one of the worst teams back in the top of the draft with a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence. It'll be interesting to see if they move off of Darnold because Darnold has shown flashes of greatness. He had a 45-yard run last night that was stupendous. He's shown me flashes of greatness. He's shown me that he can do good things with a competent coach, competent coaching staff. He can do it. Darnold just needs help. He needs weapons. He needs running game. Yeah, Bell is out, but Bell's not the difference maker on winning this, getting this team to the playoffs. They have no shot. At this point, when Bell comes back, they'll be lucky to win two or three games. This Jets team is atrocious. Don't much care for the Broncos. But what I want to talk about going into week four of the NFL are some teams that... My intriguing teams of the weekend. Who I think are going to be the exciting teams to look out for, pay attention to. I'm just going to name five, go in week to week, you know, give you the teams. Give you the rundown on who I think is exciting on the come up, who could do a couple of interesting things. First team, got to talk about my Chicago Bears. Big Dick Nick Foles is now the starting quarterback. That's right, Trubisky. To the bench you go. It's time for the Nick Foles show. And he was great against the Falcons. I know the Falcons have blown a lot of leads. Looked terrible against the Cowgirls blowing that lead. Looked terrible against the Bears blowing that lead. But the Falcons, they can get a lead, can put a lot of points on the board, just can't hold the lead. But it was time to make the move to Nick Foles. Like, this is the guy Nagy traded for. They didn't just wait for him to go on to waivers for a chance for another team to pick him up. No. The Bears went out and got their guy. I don't think he's as good as Cam Newton. Definitely not. I've talked about this at great lengths. But with this Bears team, Nagy's offense, big arm, he can do a couple of different things. Yeah, he can He can be a competent quarterback at times. He showed it. He threw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter when he took over for Trubisky against the Falcons. Had 180 yards. He stepped in nicely when they were down 16, 26 to 10. Big comeback for the Bears. Keep it up. Keep it up, Chicago. I I need you to put in work. The defense, one of the top defenses in the league, they're still going to be dangerous as the year goes on. Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn. I love what they have to offer on the defensive end. It's that offense. Can Foles show me that he can be a competent quarterback? At this point, 
I'm super weary of it, but I, I believe in Fultz over Trubisky. I can tell you that right now, definitively, Foles is the better option over Trubisky. He'll put the Bears in a pose- better position to succeed. They go up against a team in the Indianapolis Colts who just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't believe in Phillip Rivers at all. I really think the Bears have a chance to start the year 4-0. Would be a great way to start the season. Colts are favored, though, but I like the Bears, and uh, you gotta, you got to keep your eye out for them. It's going to be an interesting game, and uh, let's go. Second team, those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's right. Brady finally starting to figure out this offense, putting things together with Bruce Arians. They're 2-1. and one. They lost week one against the Saints, but they've ramped it up. They've turned it around. They look like a good team moving forward. It's going to be a tough game against the Chargers, though, because they do lose Godwin. Uh, he's doubtful for the game. Actually ruled out. Leonard Fournette is out as well, according to Bruce Arians. Um, but they play the Chargers. They're 1-2. Tampa Bay, good team. Brady, he's figuring it out. Still have a ton of weapons there in Tampa Bay. I like Tampa Bay to keep improved to 3-1 and show that they are a Super Bowl threat. Brady's proven he's still got it. And the Bucks, they're going to be dangerous throughout the full year. And uh, right now, top of the division. Top of that division. Saints are only 1-2. Panthers are 1-2. We know the Falcons are 0-3. So the Bucks, I like them to keep improving, getting better. They're going to keep making a ton of different things happen. Another team, the Buffalo Bills. Now, no, they don't play. Uh, they play the Raiders, 3-0. Expect the Bills to get that victory. they got to go to Las Vegas. But Josh Allen is proving to me he's a top 15 quarterback. Possibly a top 10 quarterback if he keeps playing at this rate. The Stephon Giggs connection has worked out perfectly for them. They're a really good team. they got a great defense, great coaching staff. The Bills are going to be dangerous. They go up against a team that I think is overachieving right now and probably will overachieve during the regular season. And if they make the postseason and the Raiders will get bounced early. Bills, they can go deep into the playoffs. Bills Mafia, you have a lot to look forward to because Josh Allen, he's just what that new generation of quarterback is. Big arm, but can move the ball with his feet, can do different things in the pocket, can get out of the pocket. It's just a new generation of quarterback. He's going to be dangerous for years to come. Madden is disrespecting him as only having him a 78 overall. It's proven he's a top 15 quarterback. Definitely proven that he's the franchise guy for the Buffalo Bills. So I like them to keep improving, get better. I think they're going to win the AFC East. Um, so Let's go Bills. I'm all aboard the bandwagon. All aboard it. Team number four. Got to talk about another AFC East team. Those New England Patriots. Okay, they they get a big challenge this weekend. They go up against the Super Bowl champions. Chiefs, who have looked unstoppable at this point. Ravens didn't offer much against the Chiefs, but now it's Cam Cam's redemption tour's turn to go up against Super Bowl champs. Uh, This is going to be a real test game for the Patriots. Yep, they had that battle with the Seahawks. They showed that they can compete with the top teams, but can you beat the top teams? 
got to be able to beat it. Patriots are 2-1 and one on the year. We know the Chiefs are 3-0. and oh. Cam, Cam, they, they need you. You need to step up. This is a big-time game for the Patriots. Kansas City's favorite, 7. Minus 7. Seems like a lot of points, but the Chiefs are as dominant as ever this year, but I think the Patriots are the more interesting team. We know how dominant Kansas City will be, but it's always interesting to me to see how Cam Cam, McDaniels, Bill Belichick continue to improve upon this season because everyone wrote them off. Uh, They were written off early, and then they signed Cam, and everyone's like, well, you still got the injury concerns. Can he still get it done? Oh, Mr. Newton has proven that he can still get it done at an MVP level. At an MVP level. Whether he will be the MVP this year, I don't think so. But he's showing that he can play like one. He's been great this year. Watch out for those Patriots. It's going to be an entertaining game against the Chiefs Sunday. And final team that i got to talk about, the guy who I do think will win MVP this year, that would be one Mr. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. They're 3-0. The offense has been incredible, led by Wilson. He's just finding everyone. Metcalf is showing that he's a number one receiver with Wilson. What can you say about that? The only thing that I'm worried about with this Seahawks team is they have no pass rush. They put no pressure on the quarterbacks. None. None whatsoever. I mean, quarterbacks just sit in the back of the pile. Like, Cam threw for 380 yards against this team. He was under no pressure. The one time they needed to put pressure on him was on a QB draw for the game. That's because the back line, the secondary, penetrated the lane. That's why they didn't score. But it's not because of that defensive line or those linebackers. They need to step up on the defensive end, start putting some pressure on the quarterback. They should have signed Javon... Yvonne Clowney, like it was a mistake not signing him. That was their pass rush. Now they don't have one. That's the biggest concern for the Seahawks, but the offense, you know, Wilson can win them games. Wilson will keep them in games. They're going to be a good team. You got to watch out for them. Very dangerous. Uh, Like I said, I like Russell Wilson to win MVP this year. He's playing like the front runner right now. I expect the Seahawks to continue to let him run and gun out there. Uh, He's just exceptional. I think Patrick Mahomes and him are going to be the favorites for the MVP and be in a great MVP race all year. But I'm going to say Wilson, just because he's doing less, he's doing more with less. So watch out for those Seahawks. 3-0, they go up against the Dolphins. I think it'll be a high-scoring game because, you know, Fitzpatrick is can do well against teams that don't put the pass rush on you. you, know, you got to be able to put pressure on quarterbacks, and if Fitzpatrick has all day to throw, he can make different things happen. There's a reason they put up a lot of points against the Jags. Jags don't have a lot of pass rush either. So let's see if the Seahawks or what the Dolphins can do against the Seahawks, but there's my intriguing teams of the NFL week. It's going to be a good week. going to be a good week. And, you know, always pay pay attention. Just a lot of fun games that you can look at. The battle of the 0-3 between the Texans and the Vikings. (laughs) Let's see if the Eagles can finally figure it out. They got tough sledding against the 49ers. And then Packers, I think, will have their hands full Monday night against the Falcons. You know, Falcons shown they can score a lot of points. 
just <laughs> can't retain a lead to save their life. But a lot of good games. It's going to be fun. Uh, let's go. NFL week four, quarter of the season already complete. But before we move on to the next topic, a couple teams already having their bye week as coronavirus has infected two NFL teams, well, at least one officially. The Tennessee Titans, 13 players and staff members included all together have tested positive for the Rona. Their matchup against the Steelers has been postponed. They'll make that up. Steelers, this is their bye week. You know, it, it was only a matter of time before the coronavirus infected the NFL. Little, just a matter of time. It did happen, finally. But, yeah, the NFL, they can make it work. They give them bye weeks. That gives you two weeks off. It, it does put pressure on you as you don't have a lot of preparation, camp practice, you know, things of that nature since you have to quarantine. But I really thought it was only a matter of time. But I like how the NFL is going to handle it. All right, we'll just make it your bye week if this were to come up. And then we're just going to change the bye week dates for teams when you got to make up the matchups. Seems like the right way to go. Seems like the perfect situation. Maybe if a team has to take another week off, I don't know how they're going to do it then. Maybe the playoffs start a week later to make up that matchup or that game. We'll see how they do it moving forward. But they give themselves wiggle room with the bye week to begin with. Teams maybe don't want to use it this early in the year, obviously. You know, for the Steelers to then have to go play, what, 13 straight weeks? That's going to take some wear and tear on a team that definitely has playoff aspirations in that division. You know, the Ravens are the front runner, but... And the Titans, too. Titans got to change their bye week up now. And frankly, will they be able to go in a week or so? We don't know how many more positive tests could come out. We just got a report that some more guys tested positive, cases up to 13. You know, that we don't know what's going to happen. But this is what we got to deal with in professional sports. And it was, you know, something I'm sure the NFL did their due diligence on. And We're going to see how they move forward from here. But the coronavirus officially has infected and done some things to the NFL season. Moving on, topic number four. The newest head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers will be one Doc Rivers. That's right, three days after being fired as Clippers head coach, This man gets a job, and a pretty decent job. A team that's been in the playoffs, been in playoff contention. You know, they still have Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. A very interesting team in the Philadelphia 76ers. Good for Doc. I'm not that big a Doc Rivers fan, but he's a good enough coach to where he should have gotten another job if the Clippers did, in fact, let him go, which they did. I think it was just time. It was his time with the Clippers. He had only won three playoff series the entire tenured as Clippers head coach, and that's with a lot of talent. A lot of talent. Remember, Lob City, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Jordan Crawford, Josh Smith, Paul Pierce. They had guys. The talent went through that organization at one point. They had plenty of opportunities to succeed in the playoffs, and they came up short time and time again. Personally, I actually would have given Doc Rivers another year with this team. You know, why not run him back? Why not maybe bring in a couple guys, replace a couple guys, not re-sign guys, 
make some moves in free agency, make some trades, just small things though. Because with Kawhi as the leader, and then you have a bunch of good role players around him, maybe another superstar. I don't think Paul George is that. Which is why Doc Rivers needed to be more uh, stern and coach Paul George. Because Paul George is not the player that everyone thinks he is. Everyone thinks he's a superstar. He's not. He's a borderline all-star. But as I digress, I would have given Doc Rivers another chance with this team. At least one more opportunity. I really think Steve Ballmer uh, panicked a little getting rid of Doc Rivers so quickly. I understand a lot of expectations going into this year. They were expected to win the championship. They were the favorite by everyone. A lot of people had them winning the championship because of their depth, too much talent, all this, all that. Doc never put the pieces together. I think Ballmer panicked after the 3-1 collapse that they had. The most recent one by Doc Rivers. We'll get to that more later. But most recent 3-1 loss to the Denver Nuggets in the, the semifinals. Didn't even make the conference finals. And that's what everyone wanted. The Battle of L.A. And the team that easily defeated the Denver Nuggets was the Los Angeles Lakers. And the team that is cruising right now in, fi- in the finals after one game, the Los Angeles Lakers. That's what this is. Steve Ballmer knows. you got to beat the Lakers if you want to get any relevancy. Well, first got to get there to play against them. And this team didn't even make the conference finals. So, a lot of criticism to be th- thrown around here it's not all on doc i do think doc rivers did get out coached this playoffs by rick carlisle in the first round of the dallas mavericks went to six games porzingis missed a few games and they still managed to get it to six games the epic collapse is not just on doc rivers coaching and putting guys in at certain times no it came down to the players on the floor not coming through in the most crucial moments we saw lebron james stop jamal murray at the end of a game to win. The Clippers could not do that. They could not contain Jamal Murray for three straight games. That's why they lost. They had big leads. They were up by 15, 19, 16 at one point in all the games that they lost. And they blew it. Absolutely blew it. When your superstars don't come through for you, it gets coaches fired. That's the difference between the NBA compared to most leagues. Players get coaches fired fired way faster than in this league at least most NFL organizations they give coaches a chance they try to get the right pieces around them do certain things with the but they know that the coaches are limited comes down to the players on the field that's why some guys can keep a job longer through bad seasons NBA you could even have a good season where you're second in the conference win over 50 games people are picking you to be the favorite you make it to the second round of the playoffs, you can still lose your job. We've seen it many times in the NBA where a head coach will be coach of the year and he won't have his job at the end of the season. It's a very odd way the NBA works compared to the other leagues. Superstars are really the driving force. Players are the driving force. And players in the NBA get a lot of guys fired. I certainly blame Paul George on the reason Doc Rivers no longer has a job. He didn't come through. You know, at least Kawhi, he was bad for one game, Game 7. The most crucial game, yes. But he played well Game 5 and 6. In the other games, though, no one stepped up. No one stepped up. That's why they blew the 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. That's why the Clippers went panic mode and fired Doc Rivers. Apparently, the reports are Steve Ballmer wanted to do more. Wanted to trade guys. 
And I think they are going to be active on the trade market. I think they are going to make moves. They're definitely going to make some different things happen. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this team constructs itself moving forward. I would have given it another year. I would have given it another chance. At least given Doc another chance to be like, okay, didn't have a lot of chemistry. We were dealing with the bubble, all this, all that. I could understand if they wanted to go that route. Makes a lot of sense to me. But it was time. Like Doc Rivers had been with the Clippers for what seven years, won three playoff series. Uh, it, it was time. It was time to make a move, which is why he got another job as quickly as he did. Good coaches usually do get jobs right when they lose one. You know, we saw with Andy Reid for the NFL. Eagles let go of him within four days. He was the Kansas City coach. You know, guys don't stay head. Guys don't stay unemployed for long if you have a good tenure and good track record and you're respected around the league. You will be a coach. And it'll be inter- interesting to see how Doc uh, functions with the duo that everyone says doesn't work. The duo of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Rivers has won with superstars. Like He has won with really good players. He's won a championship in his time in Boston. Can he get this duo that no one can seem to figure out or understand? Everyone says you need to trade one of them. Maybe Doc can be the one to fix it. Or maybe the Doc, Doc is the one who's going to change everything and trade one of these guys. Because uh, Doc's there for five years. He signed a five-year deal, lucrative contract. How the 76ers decide to move forward we will see. I'm hearing reports, one that really doesn't make any sense to me, is that they would trade Ben Simmons for the number one overall pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves and draft LaMelo Ball. <laughs> Boy, that sounds like a terrible idea. Here's why. Real, just real quick, sounds like a terrible idea. I'm not a big fan of Ben Simmons. You know, he's an all-star caliber player, one of the better point guards, definitely a supreme defender of the basketball but yeah his offensive game very limited so he would definitely help the Minnesota Timberwolves if if the Timberwolves get this offer yeah you pull the trigger if you're the 76ers you got to be out of your mind you can get something you can get a better package for Ben Simmons than just the number one overall pick and maybe a decent asset and trading so why would you trade for someone who can't shoot and doesn't defend for someone who can't shoot but does defend? Like, why would you get rid of your best defender? Your best wing defender, your best post Like, Ben Simmons is the best defender on the 76ers. To get rid of him would be a horrible idea for that package. Maybe if you can get something better, yeah, I'm for it. Because I don't know if those two can actually succeed together, them being Simmons and Embiid. But... I think LaMelo Ball is going to be the changing facet of this organization. Oh, Lord. Oh, the 76ers have gone mental. Oh, they've gone AWOL. I get If you want to trade Simmons or Embiid, do it for a good trade package. Not just because you... Because youth doesn't win in this league. Veterans do. Simmons has been in the league for a little bit. Surround Simmons with... And Embiid with shooters. They've shown it can be effective. They were one shot away 
from the conference finals against the Milwaukee Bucks that they could have won. But Kawhi Leonard got in the way and made one of the most ridiculous shots ever. That's how close the 76ers were. Then Butler left. You know, the, the league just drastically changed after that. They gave money to Tobias Harris, Al Horford. So 76ers, maybe they don't have a lot of wiggle room and they're just like, you know what? Reset, we're going to ride out this contract of Horford and Harris and bring in LaMelo Ball. I think it would be a terrible decision, but I know Doc Rivers will make changes. Changes will be made. Philadelphia basketball is going to change. And final topic of the day, topic number five. Kyrie Irving has had a lot to say. Apparently him and Durant were on a podcast. I do not recall the name of what the podcast was, but Durant, Kyrie, chopping it up, talking about it. Um, for The first quote that he said that was absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion, is that uh, I don't really think we need a coach. Yeah, we, don't, we don't need a coach. You know, we, we got coaches. You know, Durant one night can be a coach. I one night can be a coach. Jock Vaughn can be a coach. You know, it's a, we don't want someone coming in here and bucking what we got going on. Now, I certainly hope this was recorded before the Steve Nash hire. And now it's just being put out there and making the media rounds and looking absolutely ridiculous. I really hope that is the case. And I would certainly think so. Because Kyrie named Jock Vaughn as the coach, rather than, and he, you know, he stepped in for Kenny Atkinson. So, I, I could see maybe he just, this just happened to be recorded before the Steve Nash hiring. Because coaching wins, you need coaches to be successful. You need great coaches to be successful. Do we know if Steve Nash is going to be a good coach? No. But his time as a player would say that, yeah, he's probably pretty knowledgeable of the game. And he's going to do some things that we haven't seen before on the coaching end. Uh, that remains to be seen. But coaching wins in this league. Look at all the teams that are successful. Let's just look at one of the most known dynasties ever. The Chicago Bulls. Who's at the root of their success? Well, Michael Jordan. Of course you would say it's Michael. But... Michael never won without a good coach. Like, Doug Collins was his coach when he hit the shot. They only won, what, one playoff series together? And then, oh, Phil Jackson comes in. Completely changes how Michael Jordan conducts things. Do you want to score 50 a night or do you want to win championships? As Phil Jackson so elo eloquently put it to Michael Jordan. You want to score 50 or you want to win championships? Phil Jackson got Michael Jordan to win championships. Michael Jordan never won a championship without Phil Jackson. Just saying, coaching matters. Michael needed Phil. We could go another route. Later in Phil's career, with Kobe and Shaq. Kobe and Shaq needed Phil Jackson. They won three championships with him. Lost a couple with him as well. Well, one with him. And then for years... Jackson no longer the coach. Shaq changes teams. Kobe, terrible. Coaching up and down. Never sees any real success again until Phil comes back as coach. They go to the finals in 08. They lose to the Celtics. And then they back-to-back -back 2009, 2010. And then the run is over. 
So Kobe needed Phil to win championships. We go for other teams. You know, the Showtime Lakers. They wouldn't have been Showtime had Pat Riley not been orchestrating things. And we can see that from Pat Riley's acume as a coach, player, executive, that he knows how to win championships. He has the right mentality on how to get it done. The Lakers needed him. The Knicks needed Pat Riley to be successful. The Heat needed Pat Riley to win their first championship with a young Dwayne Wade and still a serviceable prime, Shaquille O'Neal. They needed him. Go another all-time great coach, Greg Popovich. Obviously, you need the right players. Tim Duncan, greatest power forward ever, one of the greatest players of all time. He's not winning championships if he doesn't come in in the Spurs system that Popovich set, that Popovich built. He changed the game. They won champion, five championships. Duncan is not winning five championships if he does not have Greg Popovich at his coach. The Spurs dynasty is not what it is. They made the playoffs, what, 21 straight years until this year where Popovich at the helm. Coaching wins. You look at it now. Nick Nurse grinded his way to be the Raptors head coach. Boom. Finally gets the opportunity, wins a championship the first year. Even Golden State Warriors, they had Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson was a good coach, set the foundation for how this Golden State team can be successful with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Bring in a couple more pieces like Iguodala. You know, they're great. Bring in Steve Kerr, though. Oh, 73 and 9. That is 73 and 9. They go from a pretty good team to an all time team with coaching. That's how much coaching has an effect in this league. Coaching matters. You need a good coach to win, you need a good coach to be successful. Players, players play for sure, but coaches draw it up. Coaches set a precedent for how things should be done, how the offense is running, how the offense is going to flow, defensive situationally. You know, that's why you need a coach. And for Kyrie to say that, oh, we don't need a coach, we don't need to bring someone in, that's why I really think it, this interview happened when he, when the net, before the Nets made the hiring of Steve Nash, and it just happens to be coming out now. I would certainly hope so. I hope that's the case. I don't know if that's the case. I'm not saying anything definitive. I would just imagine that's the case because Kyrie didn't mention Steve Nash by name and he also didn't, and he named Jacques Vaughn, who was the replacement of Kenny Atkinson, but wasn't offered the Nets job. Like to say they don't need a head coach is absolute blasphemy. And then another thing Kyrie said that we'll talk about real quickly, Kyrie's just Kyrie's he said some good things before and he said some dumb things before. And I don't know if this is a dumb thing or not, but I think it's pretty stupid that Kyrie is just going to ignore that the players that he's played with. He says, "It feels good for once in my career to actually look down and see that I got a, another motherfucker as he put it to make a shot." Speaking about Durant, saying he's never played with a player like that before. <laughs> Kyrie, come on. Look, even if I think LeBron James is the GOAT, I still can understand where the criticism comes about him. Yeah, he's a flawed player. But he is one of those guys that can go out and make a shot when you need him to. Like, that's just who he is. That really is who he is. And for Kyrie 
to just disrespect him and say, oh, end of games, you know, that's not him. Let, let me put, this is exactly what Kyrie, this is the first time in my career I can look down and be like, that motherfucker can make that shot too. This is the direct quote when Kyrie is talking about playing with KD. Hmm. So let's just look back. He's played with LeBron James, the best player in the world, the definitive best player. So, you know, Kyrie is clutch, yes. And he talked about it on the podcast as well, that he thinks he's always been the closer on every team he's on. Interesting. Well, that, that brings up something to me. Let's just talk about instances of LeBron and Kyrie winning. We know they won a championship in 2016. You know, they came back 3-1 against the 79-3 and Golden State Warriors. You know, Kyrie, LeBron went off those final three games for them to be able to come back. So let's just talk about that comeback real quick. In the fourth quarters alone, LeBron James averaged 11 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, 2 assists on 58% true shooting percentage. Kyrie, 6 points, 1.7 rebounds a game, 0.7 assists on 50.3 true shooting percentage. Um, who was the closer? I would say LeBron, since he averaged five more points, two more rebounds, and double the assists on way more efficient numbers. Uh, let's go fourth quarter scoring in the entire finals that they were together. 2015, 2016, 2017. This is how the fourth quarter playoff scoring broke down. LeBron, 164 points on 40%. Kyrie, 55 points on 30 four percent in 2016 lebron 120 points 48 percent kyrie 99 points 42 percent okay in 2017 lebron 122 points 47 percent kyrie 59 points 38 percent but again kyrie was the closer again you but from those numbers oh lebron has scored way more points in the fourth quarter and more efficiently in every season in 2015 16 17 lebron was scored more points in the fourth quarter in the playoffs and also shot better from the field but again who closed who <laughs> here we go fourth quarter finals scoring for all that don't know so 2015 doesn't count because kyrie irving got hurt in game one in 2015 so he's not there well let's go to 2016 then lebron 57 points 50%. Kyrie, 36 points, 35%. That's in 2016, the 3-1 comeback. Hmm. Looks like uh, LeBron James <laughs> carried in 2016. 2017, LeBron, 27 points, 46%. Kyrie, 22 points, 31%. But I thought Kyrie was the closer. I have yet to see Kyrie have better numbers or more points or a better field goal percentage than LeBron James in any of these stats. Let's keep going, though, just because Kyrie seemed to have forgotten and I need to remind him. LeBron led Kyrie in buzzer beaters, game winners, fourth quarter scoring, clutch scoring for both the entire playoff runs and specifically the finals appearances. Hmm. More buzzer beaters, game winners, fourth quarter scoring, clutch scoring. I Again, who's closing who? Who's the better scorer on the team? 
Uh, just a reminder to Kyrie, LeBron James is the only player over the last 15 postseasons with multiple buzzer beaters in a single postseason. But again, who closed who? Uh, <laughs> who closed who? Like, do these players forget? I feel like Kyrie... And maybe Kyrie didn't mean to disrespect LeBron about this. Maybe he just was speaking to hype up Kevin Durant... You know, just hype up his new teammate, his... I would say, obviously, Kyrie is closer to Kevin Durant than he is LeBron because, well, Kyrie's playing with Kevin Durant. You know, that it's easy to point out. But how Kyrie can just blatantly be like, oh, this guy can make a shot too. Well, LeBron can also make a shot. And I don't want to just make this about LeBron because Kyrie just needs to know. Like, he's played with one of the greatest all time. A player who put him in... His first opportunity to win a championship and hit a clutch shot. Just because you hit one clutch shot doesn't make you the closer of the team. Like, LeBron was the closer of the team. Kyrie was incredible during that run. Don't get me wrong. Played exceptional. But, (laughs) wow. Just, how Kyrie can forget that he played with LeBron James and said LeBron can't make a shot. Now, I don't think LeBron... Kyrie said it out of disrespect. I don't think he meant anything by it. I honestly don't even think when he said the quote, he he was even considering like that it was like LeBron. That he was talking about or throwing shade at LeBron. I don't think that was his intent at all. I think he's just building up his teammate. Exciting up his guy, Kevin Durant, so they can be successful together. Makes sense to me. But come on, Kyrie. You got to know better than that and maybe Kyrie is still mad at LeBron because you know LeBron apparently tried to trade him after that 2016 championship those are the rumors LeBron went to the front office and but that's all media speculation you know they still ran it back and LeBron was still trying to get it done with Kyrie you know offseason trades are one thing but I don't know LeBron still went to war with you Kyrie you can't forget about him he's still the GOAT and even if you don't think he's the GOAT one of the greatest players of all time like, Kevin Durant is not on the same level as one LeBron James, in my personal opinion. So those are our five topics. Moving on, unpopular opinion. This comes back to someone I've already talked about on this podcast. My unpopular opinion. It has to do with one, the newest head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, Mr. Doc Rivers. That's right. And my unpopular opinion about Mr. Rivers. Doc Rivers is the most overrated coach in NBA history. That is right. I said it. Most overrated coach in NBA history. That's right. Every coach, nope. Doc Rivers has been more overrated. Now, I know I said Doc Rivers is a good coach. You can be overrated and still be good. Like, look at Giannis. Giannis is an exceptional talent. He's a good player. Is he one of the three best players in the world? No. No, he's not. He can't shoot. He's kind of one-dimensional on the offensive end. Phenomenal defensive player, but we're not talking about Giannis. We're talking about the man, Doc Rivers. Just to name some, here's the reason why. Doc Rivers is the only coach in NBA history to blow three 3-1 leads. 
As a matter of fact, he's the only one to do it twice, let alone three times. He did it with the Dallas Ma uh, Dallas Maverick, Orlando Magic, when they had Tracy McGrady. <laughs> they were up 3-1, MVP level Tracy McGrady at that. In 2003, just blew it. Had a 3-1 lead over the Pistons and just fell apart. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Let's head over 2015 in the second round of the playoffs. The Los Angeles Lakers. Remember, he had prime Chris Paul, prime Blake Griffin as their best players. 3-1 lead over the Houston Rockets and James Harden. And what happens? Blew it. Choked a 3-1 lead. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. It was the first time the Clippers had a chance to get to the conference finals, and they didn't do it. The Clippers would lose the final three games of that series by a combined 44 points. Hmm. 2015. And then we go to this year. 2020. The 3-1 collapse against the Denver Nuggets. When he had Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, six-man-of-the-year Montrezl Harrell, six-man-of-the-year before that Lou Williams, defensive player of the year candidates for some reason, Patrick Beverly, like all the talent in the world, they blew it, couldn't, couldn't do it, could not get past the Denver Nuggets, young Denver Nuggets, Jamal Murray's what, 22, 23, Jokic is 25, 26? All those veterans, all that leadership couldn't get it done. Lost games 5, 6, and 7 by combined 34 points. And they had leads, big double-digit leads, and still could not hold on. Like I said, only coach in NBA history to blow three 3-1 series leads. And he's the only coach to do it twice. Not only that... <laughs> Doc Rivers is also, he holds the record for most Game 7 losses in NBA history. Doc Rivers has lost 8 Game 7s. 8. Count them up. 8. No other coach has more than 5 such losses. So in the biggest game of that particular season, when it matters most, Doc Rivers has lost that game 8 times. 8. <laughs> Just incredible. What's more, here's another one for you. He has lost six, count them, six playoff series after his team has had a 3 2 lead. <laughs> Dude, think about that number ahead in your game. Think about it again. Six series losses in which his team has been up three games to two. It's awful. <laughs> almost unfathomable it's almost hard to think that you could lose that many times in that situation being up two games you have a chance to win one game no you don't do it all right we have a chance to win another <laughs> i just wow absolutely wow and those numbers alone those alone tell me that he's the most overrated coach He's had talent. He has had plenty of talent around him. Think about it. In his time with the Celtics, 
Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo, Glenn Baby Davis, Jeff Green. They had players. They they won one championship. That team talks like they're a dynasty. They won one championship, made it to two finals, and that's it. That's it. And yet Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett talk about how they, they, they won like three championships. Like they give you the impression that they won three championships with the way that they talk. That 08 Celtics team talks like they won three, four, five championships. No, they won one and went to another finals. That's it. That's it. Okay. Time with Boston runs out. You know, they can't get over the hump of LeBron, obviously. You know, the Heatles just too much for them. You know, LeBron ends Paul Pierce's, Kevin Garnett's career. Ray Allen comes over to South Beach. You know, just, we know how they fell apart. And then Doc Rivers heads out to Clipperland. Chris Paul, like I said, prime Chris Paul, prime Chris Paul. Blake Griffin, when he was a high flying, high rising machine, dunking on everybody. Same with DeAndre Jordan, Lob City. And again, another team that just kept bringing in talent. They had Jamal Crawford, Josh Smith, Paul Pierce at the end of his career. They brought in teams. They brought in players. They thought they could do it. What did he do? In Doc Rivers' entire time with the Clippers, three, count them, three playoff series wins. With all that talent, that includes this year. That includes winning their round one series against the Mavericks this year, 2020. Three. So before this year, two. He had won two. Two playoff series. <laughs> and he had all that talent. Otherworldly talent. Generational talent. Point God talent. Truth talent. Big ticket talent. <laughs> Claw talent. Kawhi Leonard just came off winning a championship. Supposedly perennial superstar, Paul George. Not true, but that's what I'm told. That's what people say. And Doc Rivers couldn't win. He couldn't even win another championship. It just, let alone championship. Forget that. He never made a conference finals during his Clippers tenure. Here's something to really put into perspective on what winning three playoff series is like. Frank Vogel, first year head coach at the Los Angeles Lakers and currently in the NBA Finals up 1-0 against the Miami Heat, has three playoff series win alone this year. He's already going to win. Frank Vogel, that is, is going to win more playoff series in one year, in one season then Doc Rivers is going to win in his seven-year coaching career with the Clippers. (laughs) I mean, if that doesn't tell you overrated, I don't know what does. I don't know what does, yet he's put in the same category as the likes of Popovich, Phil Jackson. I I really don't understand it. I I really don't. Here it comes from a former player. If you don't believe me, let's talk to a former player player. Take some quotes from a former player. Mr. Glenn Big Baby Davis. He went to LSU, played in the Big Three era with the Celtics. 
he was on Chris Broussard's podcast a while back called In The Zone. And on that podcast, he said lucky as hell in reference to Doc Rivers and the Celtics winning the title in 08. And he was lucky as hell. Lucky as hell, in quotes. The year before that, they were trash bags. That's right. The crowd. Crowd wore trash bags. They were. I, I spoke on it. They were 15th in the Eastern Conference. They were dreadful. Absolutely embarrassing. Davis went on to say, but then the next year, they win it. Now, he's one of the best coaches ever. I'm not. I'm just not feeling that. You know what I mean? Davis was then asked if Rivers was overrated as a coach, to which Davis responded, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Davis was consistent during the entire portion of the interview about Doc being lucky. <laughs> just beautiful. Former player, and he played for him during the Lob City era. He played for him in Boston. That is Ben D Glenn Baby Davis. Yeah, when you look at Doc's accomplishments since his time in Boston, the best he has done is reach the second round. That's it. That's it. Second round. And I just, I don't want to just keep pooping on him because I do think he's a good coach. Like I said, I think you can be overrated, but you can be good. I will say a couple nice things about him, or at least a couple things that are true that he has accomplished. Yonke know, has 943 regular season wins. That's 11th all-time. He's got 91 playoff wins. That's 7th most all-time. He won a title. He was coach of the year with the Mavericks in 1999-2000. He's had 13 straight winning seasons. He's a decent coach. But he's still the most overrated coach in NBA history. And that's the end of episode 31 of the Hang Time with Howie podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you know, check me out on social media. Reach out to me if you have topics that you want me to talk about or if you want to be a guest on the show. Had my first guest, Lucas Armstrong. We did the NBA Finals preview. Want to do more episodes like that. So if you ever want to be a guest, ever want to hop on, feel free to reach out and we'll set something up. But remember, during this COVID-19 pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace.